Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, let's welcome back my friend, Coach Prevost, who is now the O-line coach, run game guy at Valpo. I'm not going to say the whole name. I'm just going to say Valpo. Valpo University now. Coach, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that that school has a big word that I can't pronounce. I always screw it up. Valparaiso. My my kids have reverted to uh, Valpo as well. Well, like I said, I was talking to Coach Banster, and I said Valpo, and he even said, what's Valpo? And I was like (laughs) – Valprazio, and he goes, "Oh," and I'm like, "It's I know I know what Valpo is," and he was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah." We shortened it up on the t-shirts and everything, you know. It's 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 branded itself as Valpo. Yeah, I've heard about it years ago, especially when I moved up to the suburbs. Because, like I said, you're only about an hour and twenty minutes away from me now, and and uh, I was like, "Yeah, that's just Valpo," and that's all I've ever heard. I've had kids talk to Valpo to go to school there. And I'm like, that's all I know it as, just just Valpo. <laughs> um, I forgot to ask you this before we recorded, so tell me to f off. I saw you're now. You used to be hippos. Now it's rhinos. Yeah, you know, uh, moving uh, to different spots and uh, the the five or nearly six years spent as an O line coach at the University of South Dakota, um, and, and bringing the hippos in. Uh, those guys. Um, you know, they, they help build that name. Um, you know, they're the ones that are doing the work um, and, and let them keep that. So I spent uh, some significant time, obviously, when you're living nine hours from your family, spend a lot of windshield time. Um, and, I, and I went through a bunch of different animals and came up with Rhino, um, you know, worked on our acronym and uh, got that set up, ready to go. Um, and, and coach Fox, our head coach does a great job as far as, uh, program building, um, and, you know, tying in a lot of the things that he does, um, within that, uh, was really good for it. So what's your 
sell for rhinos now? Because I know you had the whole hippo reason why. So what's the selling point for the rhino now? Yeah, so, you know, for the rhino, um, it, it's it's a bad animal. It, it's, uh, uh, you, you don't want to run into one of those uh, that's angry, uh, mm-hmm. but they're a very intelligent animal. Um, and it's a family oriented animal. Uh, those are the things that I really, you know, I, I'm looking for animals that are nasty, uh, territorial or, or family related, um, and, uh, smart. And, and so, um, I'm running out of animals, so I think I'm probably going to do it for a while, uh, is my guess. So, yeah, I, uh, there's a coach here. People probably heard of him. Coach Tony Haller, who did feed the cats programs. And he said something about linemen being called big cats. So I thought about doing that because I have smaller old linemen that have to be faster. So that's kind of what I've adopted because they prey on things and everything else. Like you, you deal with bigger guys than I do, like actual linemen. I deal with guys <laughs> that probably should be fullbacks con- converted into linemen. So I have to think of like something. So I'm like, oh, we'll be the big cats. We're fast. We'll prey on people, blah, 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 blah. And that's all I could come I like up that. with. You know, the everyone uses hogs and that's just – it's so overdone and, yeah. and you know now that at least people are coming up with like nifty tags i'd rather have something original some guys can you know take with them uh and so uh something that they can identify themselves with and that's the you know playing college football uh is a huge sacrifice mm-hmm. and playing offensive line at any level is is a tremendous sacrifice mm-hmm. and and part of our job as a line coaches is you know, to keep numbers up, uh, to keep involvement and find ways to make it fun because there's a lot of things about it that isn't fun, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And so the, you know, our, our individual is most position groups punishments. And so you, you start looking at things like that, like, you know, oh, hey, lean on a guy this way, now lean on a guy that way. And obviously we're not teaching guys to lean on people, but – right. Um, and you know how are you going to find what are you gonna how are you gonna make this worth it to them um obviously winning games on saturday but man it's it's a long time from the end of november to um the beginning of september Uh and so what are you doing those nine months to keep your group engaged uh to keep it fun for them to keep it fresh for them um, you know, spring ball is, is, is a lot for an alignment. Uh-huh. You know, every school you can talk to any of them are short on numbers um, in the spring for offensive linemen. Um, and they're getting a billion reps. Their bodies are getting beat up. Um, so what are you doing to make that enjoyable for them? Uh, because at the end of the day, you got to keep your numbers up. And, you know, that's part of the thing I've been very fortunate with at South Dakota. And, and now here we didn't lose anybody over the spring. Um is is finding ways to keep guys uh, engaged because especially at our level you know you bring in guys how offensive lineman's body develops in that 19 20 21 years of age changes who they are um, so much um, and uh, how they mature their personality um, you, you know once it clicks for a guy uh, you got to be careful writing offensive linemen off too fast. I think too many people do it at times. Mm-hmm. I, I know I did it when I was a young coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I've transitioned out of that. Yeah, to make it fun, we'll sometimes do pat and go. If I'm like, oh, we're too tense. I don't know if you can do it in college, but I do it sometimes. I'm like, get water real quick and come back. So they come back, I act like I'm mad. 
And all of a sudden I'm like, all right, let's line up, pack and go. And they love it. It just, it just, if we're tense, I, I, I tell them like, hey, I'm an old lineman too. I can only throw like a 10 yard fade. So we're only going to go 10 and in and pack and go. You got to go and I got to get you the ball. And they love it. And they like, now they loosen up. And I do it sometimes before inside run. I'm like, okay, they're all loose now. They're all having fun because they watch the guys throw a ball and we're down there hitting bags or hitting the sled or doing whatever. And like you said, then they're like, oh, I wish we could do that sometimes. Just throw around a ball. I'm like, screw it. Let's just do it. Yeah, we do it. I do it my last indie period of the fall and spring every year. Um, we do pat and go. We call it fat and ghost. <laughs> so, I don't know if you can say that in today's society, but I love it. Uh, I call my kids fat all the time. It's a term of endearment. So if they're not fat, they're not right. <laughs> hey, I'm going to stop my diet now then. You've made me made me feel better now. <laughs> I've been stopping starting my diet four times a week for 10 years. So I do good during the week and then I get to the weekend and I'm like, it'd be nice just to order Jersey Mike's or a pizza so I don't have to go anywhere. And that's where <laughs> I screw it up. Like like today I did fine. I had oatmeal this morning. I feel pretty good. And then Saturday we'll roll around and I'll be like, uh pizza hut sounds good or something. And let's get yeah. that. That's tough, man. Then you get little kids and you throw them into the mix and they don't eat well. Uh, you know, everyone, <laughs> everyone, everyone, when they're like, you know, I was like this too before you're actually a parent. You're always like, oh, I'm not going to feed my kids fast food or preservatives. Yeah, right. Um, you know, wait till real life hits you. And, uh, <laughs> so. Well, the summer's the only time I have to try to do something because when the season gets here and it's seven o'clock at night, you're like, it'd be so easy just to pull in here, grab this, and go home. That's the problem. Yeah. And the summer yeah. for high school coaches. If you're doing two or three sports, I have June. I was at that high school for 12 hours a day almost. Yeah. I mean, that the, the high school coaching thing is so hard because it's a full-time job coaching. And then, but that's not your job. You're actually getting paid for. Mm -hmm. um, that's what a lot of people don't understand. It's, it's the job that most often that you're being evaluated on. Uh, on, on your success. Uh, so it requires a tremendous amount of time. Um, it uh, involves much more of your, you know, your process uh, to be good at it. You have to be passionate about it. You know, to be good at anything, you have to be passionate about it. But um, I, I've always had a lot of respect for high school coaches because they have two jobs. And, you know, for me, I, I have one job. I, I coach, uh, you know, a bunch of fat kids. Uh, and, and we just roam around and, and lean on people. So it's pretty easy. Yeah, being a lineman is just pushing people. That's all That's all it is, right? You just push people. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I always say uh, your job uh, as an offensive lineman is to keep your body in front of another person's body um, and be in between the ball at all times. You know, if you can just do that uh, – but it, it it breaks down a little bit more complicated than that, I found out. Yeah, you don't – you mean you just don't block somebody that the person from yeah. the stands is yelling at you, just block somebody? Yeah, just block them. It's it's the um, the little league coaches um, that they drive me nuts. Throw strikes. Like, like you don't think he's trying to throw strikes? Like, think he's trying to embarrass himself out here? I don't think so. Oh, throw strikes? Why didn't I think oh. of that? This whole time, I've been trying to walk everybody. I'm trying to lose on purpose. You guys are ruining the game plan right now. 
Just block somebody. Why didn't I think of that? Block the linebacker? Jesus, I wish I would have worked on that all week. Like, Jesus Christ. I, I That's why uh, I hate the headset that covers both ears, but there's times I wish I had both because I won't hear it anymore. You you won't hear it in division. Like, in college, you may not hear it, but in high school, you'll hear it, and you're like, yeah, I know. Why didn't I just come to next time I hear it this year? I might go to the head coach. Hey, can we invite everybody to practice so they can see like what's going on? Yeah, it's uh, that part's hard. That part, it's hard to, you know, I think, especially for me as a young coach, one of the hardest things I had was when you're coaching offense line, and I still struggle with it, there is more ups and downs on it. You're going to have. When you have five guys that need to operate in unison all at once to be perfect, mm-hmm. you're going to have some times where you start beating yourself up a little bit. Um, you know, I've coached tight ends before, and even if you have three tight ends on the field, one guy runs around route, who really cares? Like, okay, whatever, just move on. You know, obviously, um, not saying that no detail is not important, but uh, it's totally different if offensive linemen – goes the wrong way you know some someone could get hurt um, Uh and uh, it's very noticeable um you know it's it's you know even young quarterbacks who who i always say it's the most important position football you know they can come in right away and throw seven on seven if they don't know their outs like nobody else knows that besides them Uh um so there's a little bit of a safety net there where they can be confident in their skill set and and kind of see things through but uh, as offense, I think as a young offensive lineman, you're a freshman coming in, you know, I let my freshman play right away, and it's tough um, from the competitive side of me. But if you're ever going to develop a room uh, and build depth, you need to. But, like, you, there's times where you can't practice if those guys aren't, you know, they they can, an offensive line can room practice for everybody on the field if they're not doing their job um, because it's just, you know, they're dead balls every play. Mm-hmm. Um. So what's – you said it before we recorded. So the transition, you know, you're now you're at a different school. They, they, they do things a little differently. Um, like you said, South Dakota, you were spread, up-tempo. Valpo's a little bit more slow-paced. Um, what's the transition been like for you personally coming from an up-tempo to now we got to slow it down a little bit and, and run yeah. the offense that way? Um, you know, some things that I never real, never coached that I realized that you have to put some time in is the huddle, um, uh-huh. get out to practice. And, uh, I was like, wow, this looks terrible. <laughs> um, and, you know, I just thought like, I've never, like we huddled in four minutes. We really didn't care where people stood. Right. Because you don't care in four minutes. You're winning the football game. You're going to win the football game. Right. Um, so teaching the actual huddle, uh, you know, uh, teaching the fundamentals of under center snapping. So like I've had um, three years ago, I transitioned to letting a lineman grab the laces on shotgun. And then uh-huh. uh, I had an offense corner that wanted to go the dead snap. I didn't love it. Um, not, and the only reason why I don't love the dead snap is because I don't know how to correct it uh, uh-huh. on a personal note. So like if something's going wrong, I feel like the, 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 person saying throw strikes like just get the ball back there like that's not helpful (laughs) right i can fix the other kind so you know now we're here because we go under center and the gun you know we've transitioned to making sure that you know we're not taking the laces give it to the quarterback so we can transition from the gun to under center Mm -hmm. uh 
um, you know, teaching how to break the huddle, um, you know, before our offensive linemen, when the whistle blew, their eyes immediately snapped to the sideline for a signal mm-hmm. to pull the ball and go. And now, you know, more, hey, we have the opportunity to finish down the field, um, to be a part of plays, maybe spring a last block, whatever it is. So, um, you know, it changes. I'll tell you this, like, you can talk about tempo. Uh, an offensive lineman that doesn't tempo runs a hell of a lot more than one that does um, mm-hmm. because he's running down at the end of every play and then he drives. Like, before, our kids were so ingrained, they just saw the signal, they went to their shot the line of scrimmage. Um, so they're putting a little bit more miles on, but, um, they, I don't know, there, there's goods and bads to it. You know, the downfall is you don't get any more time to think, um, you get to play in a tempo time, um, and you're standing there, you get six seconds, ball snapped uh-huh. uh, and you break the huddle. Well, everyone's like, well, the alignment can think about it. I'm like, they get the play, they break the huddle, they walk up to the line and they have the same six seconds that they had before and the ball snapped. Um, so um those are but we still expand the offense immensely because you have to say that because or you have to do that because if you're not playing fast what are you doing differently to make people prepare for you um so i think there's some challenges that way i like it i like playing this way a lot more um i think uh, you know we're really good defensively uh allows us to control some games because you know, at South Dakota, it was awesome. Like, when we were better than the other team, man, we scored points faster than fire. Like, it uh-huh. was boom, 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 boom. And when we weren't, man, we were the fastest three-and-out team in the country. <laughs> like, we used, like, six seconds off the clock. And I was like, all right. You know, and you get a couple drives like that, that's really demeaning for guys. It's hard for guys to get in a rhythm, you know, and it's hard for your defense to recover. Um, and it's hard for them to keep their composure after that may stop. So, you know, I think um, having the multiplicity, obviously the Temple game is something I've brought to here where mm-hmm. we can mix that in now, um, which I think is, is going to make teams have to prepare for us a little bit differently because I think that's when you're the most dangerous is when you have the ability to do it, uh, create a big play, um, things like that. You get your guys tuned up uh, to get down to the ball, um, you know, running something that they're really confident in. Um, so I think those are things that, you know, we are going to have and, and tools that we add to our tool belt, uh, you know, how to do things, you know, don't deal with the noise uh, in the PFL like we did in the Missouri Valley. Like you go mm-hmm. to North Dakota State, uh, you go into the Fargo Dome, you're not, you, know, you can't hear anything. So um, you, you can go to a verbal cadence. Um, those are, you know, things that are nice. Um, you know, the communication with the offensive line is something that, uh, it will help bring younger players. Like I have a couple of linemen who are who played f- quite a few snaps here, uh, and then we're going to rely on some freshmen to play for us this year. And I kind of, you know, those guys basically tell them who to block, uh, uh-huh. and that that part's been different for me because when you do play the tempo um, a little bit, uh, you don't get the time in between the huddle to um, where they're actually like coaching them on the way. Um, so. There is some goods and bads, um, but I, I like it. I like. I think it's much harder to prepare for. Um, we, we get to be far more multiple. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we're in the formation shift motion. Um, so I actually have to simplify my run game rules a little bit than I've had in the past um, as far as identification things. Um, and it's funny, you think going slower, you not simplify them, but the fact that we formation shift motion, uh-huh. condensed splits, 
you get so many looks that you need to be extremely specific on what your rules are because there's no way I can possibly prepare them for all the looks that they mm -hmm. could get. Um, when previously they were like, Hey, we're going to get these like nine looks. I want these plays blocked this way. Right. Uh, so now there's a little bit more, you know, black and white, like, Hey, if this guy's on this line, count him. If he's not, don't count him. Um, so learning a little bit more like NFL, Mike ID style rules. Mm -hmm. So it's been a really good learning experience for me that way. Yeah, we've been a no huddle. And then we were talking about our situation. We are probably going to go to a huddle. And I was thinking of that too. Like when you're no huddle, you just have your rules. They're already at the line. They can see what the movement when you're in a huddle and they break. They're going to move. You don't know where they're going. So I've had to simplify footwork even because like my kids will think about well, this play I have to use this footwork or I have to do this. Like I'm putting in duo and inside zone and people can slap me for it. I'm using the same footwork. I really don't care. I'm like, let's just let's just use the same footwork because I don't want you guys to think about that. I just want you to think about who you're blocking. If we're a, a huddle team and you turn around and all of a sudden they're moving or they're not where they were before because you don't know, your back's to it or whatever, you have to simplify. And like you said, I thought I could get more, but you can't because now they have to, like you said, they have to walk to the huddle, talk to each other, they break the huddle, but what if it's different than what they just talked about, and, and, and it changes? Yeah, and and you don't have the time to be like, you know, at South Dakota, we got to the point where uh, in 2020, we had some younger alignment during the COVID deal. I just tell them, hey, if you if you don't know what you're doing, get on your haunches, and and we'll kind of we'll, we'll take a break, let you get some help, um, think this through. But the fact of the matter is when you huddle, you don't have that time for error. Like, you got to go because you're going to run out of clock. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, a duo in inside zone is the same play. Like, it's the difference is the running back's mesh. Um, and if anyone ever tells you differently, I, you know, I, I, have a, I don't really understand it. Um, you know, the, the difference, there is a difference um, in, the, in the play in the backfield. Um, on what the running back's read is, uh, mm -hmm. which makes you defend it differently. But for the offensive line, it's, to me, the, the opposite play of zone. You're trying to create a horizontal push on the front side or the back side now of duo where you're trying to create it on the front side of zone and vertical push on the front side of duo and uh, vertical push on the back side of zone. Yeah, that was my – last year was my wide zone deep dive that I tried to dive in deep dive to duo this summer – or off-season, not summer, off-season. And that's, for me, inside zone is we're protecting the gap we're going. So if it's we're going inside zone left, I got to make sure my left gap's protected because we can create that cutback. Duo, I'm telling them the opposite. If we're going duo left, well, you got to protect the inside gap. And we're taking the same footwork, you're just going the other way, is all I was yep. doing. And we're still getting the same linebackers. That's your plus linebacker, whatever it is. We're still getting there. That's where the double team's going. But now we got to add a tight end wing in there somewhere to make sure everything is there. And like you said, running backs just reading the linebacker, which I had to learn. Now we got to do mm -hmm. all that. Um, then if it gets blown up, I'm in the mode this year of the running back has to make us right. We can't get everybody. So if he gets tackled in the backfield, that's on him. That's my new mindset. And if somebody yells, I told him if they yell at me, I'll yell at the running backs. Be like, nope, that's their fault. Unless somebody just comes flying in free. If someone comes flying in free, there's a problem. But if he gets tackled, I'm like, mm -hmm. that's on the running back. So that's all I've been deep diving into was duo. And like I said, I think I made somebody mad saying, yeah, it's like inside zone. They're like, no. And then I started teaching it. And I'm like, well, I'm using the same footwork. It doesn't matter to me. It's just our aiming point's different. 
That's it. No, it is, uh, you know, I mean, for us, we're trying to a lot of times hit inside zone and let it fall off the table anyway. So it's, uh-huh. you know, how, however that collapses down and however you do things is, you know, I, I think to me it's the difference of, of the running back's path, the running back's eyes, uh-huh. and offensive line. Like, I've done both of them for many years and had success with both. Um, and, and no one's told me different. So, but you're the smart one here. I'm the dumb guy trying to figure it out. I wouldn't say that. I got plenty of things I need to figure out at this point. Well, because we were a big, we were a big ISO or belly run, and so then we didn't know if we were going to be able to do it this year. So that's why I said, well, let's just get the best of both worlds. Give me duo, and then sometimes we can add a lead blocker in there. Like you can still add a guy in there that's lead blocking somewhere, and they let me do it. And we're doing it right now. Um, the linemen are struggling a little bit because they're still thinking inside zone, just the way I'm talking about it. But that's me. I got to figure out the right words that are going to click with them. And it's mainly the tackles. The inside guys are figuring out it's the tackle for some reason. When he gets a tight end there, he's like, well, I got a double team. And I'm like, well, kind of, but you still got to watch that linebacker. We still got to be able to down block yeah. this guy with the tight that, end. That is where the, the big difference is, is that play side tackle and duo isn't used to having to worry about the tight end. Yeah. Um, even though he has him back there in seal zone, uh-huh. it's funny they never work that way because when a backer falls out in seal zone, the tackle just turns back on the defensive end and the tight end kicks out to the backer and you crack it that way. In duo, it's not built like that. So it's that part's a little bit different, even though the backs reach should get you there. Um, but that's that's where I've always had trouble too is getting truly those two working together in a good combo, um, and then you know the if you teach it like gap scheme right away you get some of the like they're trying to like rip all these combos over because I feel like they're mm-hmm. outflanked, mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where like I actually teach mine like a zone right away. So we can create movement on the first level and then let the back make us right. That's the way I approached it because the first way I learned duo, like everybody else says, it's power without the polar. So when I sat down and looked at it, I'm like, well, with power for me, I just kept saying gap down backer unless we double team the, the, the side, the front side. Or, and I'm like, but if I say gap down backer, then my tackle is going to leave the end. And that's what their mindset's going to be just because of those wording to them. So now I got to teach it like a zone. So that's why I have the same footwork. I'm like, we got to protect this gap. And then we're double teaming. We're pushing here to get to this backer. And like you said, if everything flows, the running back should cut it back, depending on where it flows. So I'm doing the same thing of teaching it like a zone. But again, it's my tackles. The inside guys, center guards, they figured it out. They're like, oh, this is just like inside zone. We're we're deucing here. We're doing whatever. Everything else is – it's the tackles when you get the tight end. If the tackle's by himself, though, it's easy. He just kicks out or he seals. But that, but I'm teaching it too, like a zone, and I know that's probably not the right way to do it because it's a gap scheme. But I'm like, this, I have to teach it that way. Well, see, that's you're already a step ahead of me on that. I already made that mistake once, so you're you're ahead of the game on me there. Well, just hire me then. I'll be your assistant. We'll come on over and we'll figure it out. Yeah, you got it. You got it. I don't know if anyone wants that evil. I don't know if my fiance will let me do that either. I'm already gone long. I'm already gone enough. If I coach college, I'd have to make Nick Saban money for her to be like, yeah, that's it's worth it. Yeah, isn't that something? It's uh, I tell you guys all the time, man. 
players that want to get into this, if I'm like, you can do anything else and be happy to do it, but if you can't, it's the best thing in the world to make a living. So, um, and, and if it's the only thing that makes you happy, you have to do it to be, to be there. So, um, you know, and that's until you reach an upper tier, there's a lot of us in this profession that can make a lot of money doing something else. Uh, but, uh, there's, there's not, I don't know if there's another job in the world that would feed my competitive appetite, uh, uh, or, uh, my, my appetite for competition. Mm -hmm. I also do have a competitive appetite. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, you know, the, the obviously losing is, is terrible, but the rewards of winning and watching kids get it, watching them succeed, watching them grow up, um, that part is, is pretty special. And now having my own kids, letting those guys be involved, um, you know, and watching their relationships is a pretty cool thing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I do three sports. One of them I have to give up eventually because doing all three sports is starting to kill me a little bit. I wasn't burnt out, but when I get a day off and then it's right back to work, it's it's because like we were done with school June 2nd, June 5th. All right, basketball starting, waits for football start, and it's like, okay, I had my, my day off or whatever. I'm ready to back to work. Um and then, like I told you, we have Fridays and Mondays off now in July. And I think to myself, what do teachers do in the summer? Because I'm sitting here doing nothing. I'm like, what do they what do they do all summer? They're 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 are they at the beach right now? I can't go to the beach because I gotta be back for football. Because that's a, I, that's all I know since freshman years. You're always doing something in the summer too. That's why I like coaching because I don't know anything else. It's that's yeah. all you've been doing. Like, and I'm afraid to give that up. Our head coach is the same way. He's like. He's got four kids and he coaches football and baseball. And he's like, some point I'm going to have to stop coaching, but I'm afraid to because this is all I've done. He played college ball. He played at North Central and he was a linebacker. He's like, this is all I know. Like, I don't, yeah. I'm, I'm afraid to find out like what it's like to not have it. It's hard. And there, there's a lot of that too is, you know, like this is what you know. This is how you've operated. This is what you want to do. Um, and, you know, what, what it almost is as bad as it sounds defines you after a while. Uh -huh. You know, even if you have a wife and kids and things like that, it's still, you know, this is that's that's you know the special thing about football wives and things along those lines is that they truly understand, you know, you can say as much as you want, our family's a priority, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, our family takes a backseat to our careers. Um, and uh, sad as that sounds, I, I think for the vast majority of it's, it's true. You know, yeah. I, I spend more time raising other people's kids than I do my own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am getting married in the fall, though, so every football coach can yell at me for that. It was an argument I wasn't going to win. Hey, it'll be all right. As long as you're, as long as you're marrying up uh, – so it, it uh, you know, I think, I, honestly, I'm so fortunate with my wife, Courtney. She, uh, the five months I lived here, uh, it really, it made me do some self-evaluating because the five months I lived here by myself while the kids were finishing school were harder for me because I was doing my own laundry, cooking, cleaning, mm -hmm. like grocery shopping. 
than it was when I had a wife and two kids, which definitely should not be the case. <laughs> um, it just kind of shows the the burden I've been putting on her. So uh, it uh, making that adjustment a little bit, you know, it's 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 tough. And now I will say this: the like when your kids get older, it's so cool to let them be a part of the program. And and same thing with your wife and. Um, those are the those are the things that are, are make it all worthwhile at the end. But congratulations, man! When are you getting married? September fifteenth. In football season. In football season. Wow! Like I said, it was a about almost a two month argument, and I realized it was one I was not going to win. So I had to talk to the head football coach and say, "Here's the situation. I'm not going to, you know, whatever." And he wasn't mad. He just gave me a lot of shit, you know, like like he's supposed to. And then, mm-hmm. and then as as it went on, then he then he self evaluated. Like I said, he's got four kids, and so he self evaluated. And he was like, you know what? As long as you have us ready to go before the game, because it's out during a game, so it's it's on a Friday night. He's like, as long as you got everything ready to go, getting married and family needs to come before that. He goes, now you can't miss any other game the rest of your life. And I was like, all right, you got it. Like the rest, I can't do it again. I get it. Um, but her family, her dad's the oldest of 11 from Ireland. And to travel in September is so much cheaper. They only spent 500 bucks round trip. So it's, it you know, it's pricing and everything else. So it's – but then I, ha- I did have a defense coordinator tell me. He's like, Steve, there will be more football games than anything else. You'll have plenty of more. So don't worry about it. He doesn't coach with us, but he's like, don't worry about it. Like, you're fine. <laughs> but then you have other coaches be like, what the – it's your problem <laughs> and i'm like i know but it's okay yeah it's tough it's uh and and the hardest part at the end of the day it's going to be the to me i think the hardest part of it all um, as we're as we're as we're getting deep in here um uh, steve we're going to get real is one of the most important days of your life getting married you know is there's going to be a little you in the back of your mind that's going to be like, I'm just kind of supposed to be somewhere else right now. And and as much as you want to say that that's not going to be there, uh, I don't know if you can eliminate that. No, but I'm going to keep that to myself. She'll never know that that's... <laughs> she doesn't watch your show? No, I told her she's not allowed to listen. <laughs> I told my mom that too. I'm like, you're not allowed to listen to this. But then I went home and she goes, yeah, I listened to this one. I was like, no, you're not supposed to. Don't, don't, don't. But it's cool. You get to talk to all these coaches around the country. I'm like, I know it is cool, but don't listen to it. I don't want you to be listening. Because she did that when I first started it. She was, fiance, girlfriend at the time was like, yeah, we pulled up on YouTube. I'm like, don't do that. Don't, don't even do it. (laughs) But she knows, she knows. I told people in front of her. Yeah, we argued for about two months about it and that's it. Yeah. Oh, and there's a lot of arguments, man, that you, you want to be able to start off on a good foot, especially in that, that realm. So well, that's why I told the coaches I was like, hey, I'm I, I gave in because you guys won't be a part of my life the rest you will be a part of my life for the rest of my life, but you I don't live with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like and they were like, Yeah, yeah, we get it. But then 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 they gave me some shit and then they were like but the worst part is we can't even go to your wedding. We got to go work. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. See, that's smart too. You, 
mean, you're cutting back on that guest list. Really, you know, that's that's a that's a strategic advantage right there. Well, that's why I thought about it. So like, you guys are invited, but and then they're like, oh, we'll show up at like ten o'clock. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that works. <laughs> you guys can be there for the after party. That, that's all you need. It's connected to a building that has a casino. So the perk is when you're done, you go down to this escalator, the back way to the casino afterwards. Okay. So that's what they're all about. The coach is like, yeah, we'll show up for the casino. <laughs> um, I guess back to football talk. So when you showed up there, you said you brought the tempo stuff with you. Was there anything that was told to you, like, we have to be able to run these plays? Like, is there, like, run plays you didn't run at South Dakota? They were like, we have to be able to do this. Um, not – I'm pretty open to everything. Our, our um, head coach and OC here, our, our OC is very, very smart. Um, and, um, you know, we, we brought in, like I said, uh, Temple as a change-up. But being under center, being a huddle team, getting into some more pin and pull, which I've never done before. Like, we I've dabbled in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we have, like, three different kinds here. Um, so that part was a huge learning experience for me. Um, luckily our tight ends coach, who's a line guy by nature, uh, he, he had some experience in it. So I call him the pin and pull run game coordinator. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I use him a lot, uh, coach Van Aspern to, to bounce questions off of him. Um, and then, you know, some of the other things that, um, we ran duo, but not out of all these different sets, um, uh-huh. which add, add a whole new, when you start squeezing formations and, you know, um, adds, adds a whole new definition to it. Uh, you know, uh, a little bit more of the RPO game here than what they've done in the past, which I think is, is really good for us. Um, you know, and It's funny we're not as much of a gap scheme team as like a lot of teams would think. We still run a lot of zone. We still run some outside zone. That's you know I I like those plays. Um, mm-hmm. That's where I've hung my hat. Um, I like I like power, um, uh, but uh, at the same time I think there's uh, when you start getting in bigger sets like that, it's a little bit difficult because now you're asking skill guys to make blocks at mm-hmm. the point of attack. Um, and that's not what they major in. And then the other thing is is pass protection identification. Um, changes significantly. When you start squeezing formations down, you start adding in a whole new um, – it makes it much harder on the backs. It makes it harder on the quarterbacks to check protection. You know, I've always taught my tackles to see coverage mm-hmm. um, to help them out, and, and we had communications on the call coverage which we still do, but there's times where it's like, yeah, I couldn't tell you what the coverage is because when you have everybody, all 22 people on the football field in between the hashes, um, there is no tip in your hand. Right. Um, So I think those are the things that I'm learning a lot about. Uh, I've spent a lot of time talking to people, uh, what they've done, how they've implemented it, how they taught it. Um, And that part's been fun for me um, is – Enjoying it. You know, the other thing for me is at South Dakota, our offensive line got pretty good. And, um, you know, we, from a discipline factor, from a number, you know, we had 19 some guys the last spring I was there. Um, you know, we, I never worried about problems. I walked into the room, I hit play on the keyboard and 
it ran itself. Um, and and here it's it's not like that. Coach Denick Hughes, who's now at Western Illinois, did a really really good job with this group. He had he had him for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a younger group. Um, so just kind of instilling some of that stuff and some of that workload again uh, has been good. Um, it's been a unique challenge. Um, the other thing that's been really different is I've always been one of the younger guys on staff, and and now I am way old uh, compared <laughs> to these guys. Uh, I, you know, me and our head coach are the only ones with kids on staff. Uh, so. <laughs> You know, my wife was asking me, she's like, well, where do the other coaches take their kids to daycare? I'm like, big, they are kids. Like, they, you know. So that part's been a little bit of a transition. That happened to me one time I was on staff. I was the second youngest. And then I went to a different staff and the head coach and I were the same age. And I was like, oh, okay. So now we can relate. And now on staff, I think it's just three of us don't have kids. I think that's it. Like I said, they all have like three or four. It's strange. <laughs> it's not just one kid. They all have like three or four. And I'm like, why is it three or four? Well, you guys have that many kids? They're like, yeah. Our wife yeah. needs something to do. Two's plenty. That's what I told them, but they have four. And they're all within like a year or two of each other. Um, but with there's a word thrown around. I don't, I've been studying it too, is that word culture. And I'm like, ah, culture gets thrown around too much. Um, when you come into a new room, not the culture setting, but like when you come into that offensive line room, how, like, how did you say, okay, I'm going to set the standard of my room. Like when it's brand new, like what, like what's the process of that? Like when you come in to set that tone in your room? Yeah. I think that's a really good question. I think it's a question that, um, you put a lot of time and thought into, and it's something that I've changed um, as I've gotten older because it's it's hard. Um, it's it's one of the first times you're nervous, um, uh, um, and and that's important. Like, well, that first impression is important, and your expectations. And one of the, the first thing I do now is is I go through. Um, I have a poster behind me, but it's kind of grayed out, but. Um, I have a set of rules for myself um, and I go over those um, like, you know, what you're going to expect from me. Um, uh-huh. And then kind of going through that is, is what I'm going to expect from you in return. Um, you know, one of the things I tell them, it's, it's not going to be easy. Uh, you know, I, I, a little bit of it's recruiting too. Like, Hey, you got to get these guys to buy in and buy in quick uh-huh. to what you're saying. Uh, I've always said, you know, uh, you know, it's funny. A lot of people say, well, you have to care about your players to be a good football coach. Uh, I do care about my players immensely. I love them all to death. But I think to be a good football coach, you got to make them better. Mm-hmm. Um, there's too much time and effort that goes into this, and I'm not. To be a great coach, you got to do both. Uh, so I think finding ways to teach them uh, to get better and, and so they can see the improvement quickly um, is really, really important. Um, I think doing your research on what their strengths and weaknesses are before you get into the room um, so you can start working on those immediately, um, I think gives you a huge advantage. But I think setting the the tone, setting the culture, whatever, is is going through what they can expect of me, uh, I think is is as important of what you do even probably more important than what you're saying, what you're expecting. Mm-hmm. And I always say that's the old line room is the funnest room 
to begin, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, at least mine is. The head coach will come in and watch, and then there's times he'll go out to the other coaches, and I'm crazy down there. Like, if a lineman's, like, blocking high, I'm like, man, you're higher than Stoop Dog right now, and then they all get a little giggle. And other coaches kind of look at me like I'm crazy, and the head coach is like, but you just see his meeting room. That's how he is in there. He's a little off the wall. But those linemen are just staring at him. They're laughing. They're having a good time. They're buying into what's going on. And I'm like, yeah, because I have to be lively. I can't just sit there. I have to move around. I have to make jokes. I have to be outrageous in my in my talk. Like, hey, there, imagine there's a buffet over there, and you got to get to it. Like, just block him to that buffet or something, you know, like just something off the wall. And And the funny part is I've been that way, so my seniors – the young, the freshmen's eyes get real big when I get all crazy. They're like, what the hell is his problem? And I have to tell them, like, I have a few screws missing. It's okay. And the seniors are just like, he's fine. Just let him go. You'll get used to it. And, like, this is how it works. And then they start doing it to each other. And then yeah. they, they laugh and they feel comfortable and, and everything else. But, and, I mean, you start talking about the amount of time, um, you know, I always – Especially older guys, uh, I've always said the and, and I think every line coach does it. Um, you know, you have to throw some humor in there and, and engage them because if you want to bring your young guys along, you're going to watch some plays. You might get through five plays in a half hour, and mm-hmm. um, you know the guy that's been sitting there for four or five years already is like, "Oh my god, like this is miserable." Yep. And and so finding ways to keep those guys engaged is is really important. Yeah, and then I, what was I going to say? But because I've coached quarterbacks, I've coached all that, and I've had meetings in there, and I try to do that, and they just don't understand the language if I'm trying to bring mm-hmm. that in there. And that's why, like, when the kids buy into being O lineman, I can be crazy, I can do whatever, and I always tell them at the beginning, like my first film session of every summer is. I'll look at to a senior and I'll be like, okay, tell these younger guys, like I just said, I have a few screws missing. I'm going to say outrageous things, blah, 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 blah. But is it ever personal? Like when I'm coaching or saying whatever, is it ever personal? And he says, no, it's never personal. So I tell the young kids, like, it's never personal. Now, if you ever feel like it's personal, you have a conversation with me, we dab it up, do whatever. Like, hey, it'll never happen again, blah, 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 blah. Then I'll tell you to suck it up. Like quit being a baby. And, and. But the best part of the day is that first film session because those freshmen's faces makes me laugh. <laughs> or first year players that like, or if they're playing varsity for the first time, but their eyes get real big in their faces, and they're like, "Oh my god, he's crazy!" And then the head coach will come in and be like, "Yeah, he's crazy." And I'm on the field doing the same thing, and like, the best part is when the freshmen are now sophomores and they're quarterbacks and they come down and they see how crazy I am in inside run. They're like, "Oh." And I'm like, and I'm like, you guys just throw a football around all effing day, blah, 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 blah. We're down here. And they're like, don't yell at me. <laughs> I am absolutely nuts. But I think you have to be. Yeah, there's there's a little bit to that. There's uh the finding ways to keep guys engaged and finding ways to keep your own sanity is really important. Yeah, I have to. I have to have fun. And then the best part is then, at least for me, then if I see them in the hallway. They can come up to me and still have fun. Like, little kids will come up to me and do a pass set on me. And you're like, I'm like, what What are you doing? Like, they'll just see me. Like, they'll come behind me and do something. And I'm like, Jesus. But they can have fun with me. They're like, he's not going to yell at me. He's not going to freak out. Um, or they'll come up to me and make fun of my shoes. I'm like, what's wrong with my shoes? 
<laughs> but then you got the freshman sophomores that are like, did you just say that to him? And they're like, yeah, he's fine. But that's the best part of like, I could see them in school and do all that stuff. But that goes back to building relationships. That's part of that standard you said. That's part of all that. Because then in a game, you could you could get them to buy into what's going on. And then during a game, when things are tense, they know they already know what you're going to say before you even say it. Yep. When it's established that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but like for you, I think you said you kept all the linemen in. The biggest thing for college coaches that I feel bad for is this transfer portal. Like they could leave. They could do whatever, and recruiting's changed a little bit where I've always asked college coaches, like, do you still recruit high school the same, or now is it, like, split where it's, like, I used to spend all this time in high school, now i got to spend more time looking at that portal, too. Yeah, I think you, you know, so it's funny. I actually like the portal, Uh and most coaches don't. Um, What I think it does do is it holds me accountable to what I say in a kid's home recruiting. Uh Uh-huh you know, what, what they can expect. I mean, if I'm not making a kid better, um, they, they're gonna, um, you know, they have the right to move on. Um, just like I have the right to move on. Um, and, but, you know, obviously recruiting the transfer portal is important. Um, and if you want to be able to win games, you're going to need to pick up some guys and fill in some pieces. I think the hardest part of the whole thing is not, it hasn't taken away from any of your recruiting high school kids is just added to your workload mm-hmm. of, um, you know, the, the recruitment of going through the portal and, and contacting people and, um, and, and not just that, but you're on campus recruiting. Um, mm-hmm. I think huge thing. Um, you know, they're, they're, uh, cook Fox does a good job of here setting aside budget for it. Um, because it is expensive. Like what, what are you doing to make these guys want to stay? Uh-huh. Uh, what are you doing to make their experience most enjoyable um, and beneficial as possible? Um, and I think you got to be able to do that, um, especially as you're, you know, for us, we're, you know, Coach Fox took this over and, and it was in tough shape. Um, and, and he's built the program up year by year. And when you're in that building phase, um, the one where we're about to turn the corner on that that's the whole key is keeping those guys bought in because at the end of the day you know the seniors that we're going to play for us this year um, are, are going to get to enjoy you know one year of a winning season um, but they really are responsible for building the program and the culture to what it is uh-huh. um, and have successful seasons after that yeah sometimes I hear Coaches having to replace some people or like personally have talked to people more than just the, the media can say what they want. That, that That is what it is. When I personally text coaches, there's some that deal with a lot. that they're, they're gone. They lose four or five kids and they got to quickly get them back. But And I feel bad for them because that just adds more work onto what you were doing. But like you said, it, they don't look at it as a negative. They're just like, I have to put in an extra hour now or I have to work a little extra harder. But it is what it is. You know, yeah. so the media can say what they want, but when I personally talk to people, I'm like, I know what's really like, what it really looks like. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, the hard part is, is like, you, you can't leave campus too much. Like you got to be around the facility. You got to be around your guys. Um, you have to, you know, when they're in here lifting, you got to be in here with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to be able to build those things. Uh, and because, and, and you have to truly, 
you know, you do need to truly care about him because they're going to see through that. Yeah. Um, if you don't. Um, and if a guy's not playing yet, um, what is, what is he, what is he around for? Uh, you know, obviously the hope to play, uh, when that starts diminishing, uh, you still need people. Um, well, what is he staying for? Uh-huh. Um, I think that's really important that you establish that and make sure that because everyone is important and, and making sure that everyone realizes that. Well, that's been the biggest thing, like with trying to talk to coaches and, and this podcast thing. I remember last year, I could get a hold of you guys easier. Like it was, you guys had a little bit more time. And that was some that I text, like you said, just on campus more. Like I've high school coaches, when they go see a coach at a college, they might talk to him for 10 minutes. Like, All right, I gotta go talk to this kid. I gotta go do this. That's a good point is just on campus more or more hosting over recruits and talking and, and this and that. And that's what it's churned into. But your approach is good. Like if it's going to be this way, you might as well embrace it and make it a positive and keep looking at it this yeah. way. Cause it's not a negative. It's just different. Exactly. It, 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 it's good and bad. And then, you know, I think, you know, there's bad and there's good and bad things, to everything, you know, I mm-hmm. don't love the fact that um, I think a lot of times young men get told from home, um, advice or information that, that may not be the best for them mm-hmm. um that's uneducated and that steers them and, and you can't blame them for that they are you know these are the people that trust in, and raise them um you know so it's hard as a college coach to be like hey I, I promise you i'm not trying to cut them short you know and um so that part i think is always unfortunate um because uh you know there is a time where i think the transfer portal is really good for some young men to move on Mm-hmm. And it's a good fit for them, and they need to do it for multiple reasons. But there's also a time where, hey, you got to, you kind of got to wait it out, um, and and it's going to benefit you in the long run. And it's really hard to tell. You know, we all know, hey, when I was when I was 19 years old, I had all the answers, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's really hard to convince, um, you know, that age group that that they're not right and. Um, I'm still paying off some of those mistakes, um, you know, that I wish I would have listened to some other people, um, during that age. Uh, but I think that that's a big thing is, as those guys move on is, um, just trying to give them the information they can. Um, and, and the other thing is I deal a lot more with parents than I ever have. I talk to all the parents on my team, um, or on our, in our offensive line room. Um, they all have my cell phone number and, that's a constant relationship that you have to build because at the end of the day, especially offensive linemen, if they're struggling, they're going to talk to their mom. Uh-huh. Um, that that's a tool that I, that I utilize often to, to make sure that we're giving our guys the best experience possible. Yeah. I thought I knew it all at 25 too. So it, it never stopped. Uh, I think, I think I was 30 when I was like, oh, I don't know anything. That, that's really I think that's the cutoff I tell people all the time all the time I was like 29 30 where I was like oh gosh and then it just keeps going down from there um but it uh yeah it's a little it's a little alarming um how much you think you know at that age and that's kind of what makes it dangerous well especially when I was an OC at 25 I definitely thought I knew it all 24 25 from a football perspective then I realized like I said 29 to 30 28 to 30 how much about life I didn't know like, especially when you get on your own insurance for the first time, you're like, I don't understand any of this. Or, yeah. you know, paying bills, what the hell is that? What are you talking about? 
I, I thought I had insurance. I didn't know I was going to get a medical bill. Yeah. Or when you have to pick an insurance plan, well, which one do you want? What does all this mean? Well, I don't understand what this means. And they're like, well, you got to pick one. And then when you do pick one and it's not the right one, what do you mean I can't go see this doctor? What do you mean I got to pay this? What do you mean I got to do this? But I, I was billed. My mom works for a health insurance contract. So I had a, I'm a mama's boy. So when it's insurance, I'm like, mom, what does this mean? <laughs> I was bailed out that way. Or when you buy a car for the first time. Yeah, there's a lot to that. There's there's a lot of lot that goes into all those things. Uh, I didn't buy a car till I was almost thirty anyway. <laughs> My parents gave me a car to use, but it wasn't. You know, kids nowadays get those brand new nice cars. We have a kid at high school; his first car was a Tesla, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> I drew like a I drove like a 1993 car forever. It got me from point A to point B. That's all it did. That's all that. That's why when I didn't buy a car till thirty, we, my family believes in running cars into the ground before anything, and that's the way I do it. We mm-hmm. keep it alive just as long as possible until I have to do something, and that's what happened. I drove their backup backup car to the ground, and then they said, "Okay, now you got to buy a car." And I thought it was easy. I went in. I didn't realize everything that went along with it, the extra payments you got to make, and what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? Then you got to sign your life away, like. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. It's a learning experience. There's no doubt. We've gone through all that. That's why we need a high school class about all that stuff. No question. No question. Probably a college class too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I took business classes in college and I didn't pay attention because <laughs> it was Life boring. Skills classes. Well, it was just about starting a business, and I was like, I don't care. I'm bored. This is stupid. But again, you're 20 years old, and you're like, I know it all. I don't. This is stupid. I'd rather go do PE classes and play badminton <laughs> because our badminton teacher was an Olympic uh, badminton player. That's why I wanted to do that. That's that's pretty legit. And the son is an Olympic player too. He's like top in the nation or used to be. This was years ago. And he never cursed. That was the best part. This teacher never cursed. So if you talk smack to him about trying to – because in high school we all play badminton and we think we're really good. He was Olympic, but he never cursed. So when he talked smack to you, it was actually really funny because <laughs> kids would come in and they're like, I could beat him. So he played. Well, he played him one on one. And if they almost, they would try to spike and he would steal it. And he'd be like, Oh, you almost had me. Oh, you almost had me. Oh, I thought you were good. Like that type <laughs> of smack talk. And he'd win 21 nothing. And, and I thought it was hilarious. And then I realized I do the same thing in basketball. I walk into the football team and I stretch every day. I'm like, oh, it's a great day. And they go, what do you mean? Oh, it's best to know I'm the best basketball player walking into this room right now. And then they're like, we well, want to play you one-on-one. And then they want to play King of the Hill and play me all day. And I'm like, guys, I'm old now. I'll play one guy this day. Give me two days off. And then I'll come back that fourth day. <laughs> And then I'll play you. And then I tell them, and they're like, what do you get if we win? And I'm like, well, if you win, I'll buy you a Gatorade. Well, that's not good enough. And I'm like, well, don't play me then. We get to not come to practice the next day. I'm like, no, 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 because then I'll get fired. (laughs) That's how this works. I was like, that head coach over there will fire me. I said, I'm already getting married in the fall. If I let you not come to practice, he will fire me. Yeah, that's. We just had a putting contest with the old lineman in here this morning, and they all beat me, pissed me off. 
Is that why you're playing golf? That's the whole reason. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to re- I have to recoup because now I've, they all think they can beat me in golf. They can't. Um, and and <laughs> that that'll be the time for me to retire is, is when um, they can they can start beating me at golf. So I will never do that. There's kids that are like. You ever just stand there sometimes when you're just waiting around and you do this sometimes? I just do. I don't even play golf. Sometimes I just do that. And the kids are like, oh, I can beat you in golf. And I'm like, I'll never challenge you to golf because. Always. that That's especially here. That's a big thing. Is it uh, now? Yeah. You know, we have a lot of golfers on our team. We have some good golfers too. Um, so it's been, it's a, it's a, and this, it's funny. We don't, our staff, there's only one other guy on staff, two other guys on staff that play. Um, this is the most staff I've been on. Everybody plays, um, but so it's it's a little bit different that way. Yeah, a lot of people on my our staff play golf too, and I'm the guy that tried when I was younger. I did it every year for a while. Then I moved up to the suburbs and realized, oh, the suburb people have expensive golf courses, so I'm not even going to touch that. I'm used to my hole in the wall like fifty dollar yeah. membership. Up here, it's like, oh, you want to pay ten thousand dollars to be a membership? I'm like, no, that's okay. I don't. I don't at all. Or it's like, hey, you want to pay a hundred bucks for eighteen holes? No, nope. No, that's it's crazy how expensive it is. I gotta find my hole in the wall. I'm a hole in the wall person. Restaurants, bars, golf. It's gotta be a hole in the wall. It's the type of person I am. From the, when you grew up in the country, you you need a hole in the wall. Up here in the suburbs, there's not a lot of those opportunities. Too many people to have holes. I find them, though. I find the hole in the walls, and then I feel at home. Like, the, we went to a place called Peanuts, and I'm like, this is has to be a hole in the wall. It's called Peanuts, for God's sake. And it is. It's right on the river, and I'm like, this is it right here. This is the place. It's your spot. Then, then the golf courses, though, I Google them, and then, and then if they're a hole in the wall, then it's like, should I even go there? That's the type of problem. <laughs> Because then you compare them to the nicer looking places and you're like, uh, or we just did a golf outing for a coach. I got married. He did the right thing. and got married in the summer, but we went to the golf thing for him. Me and the other guy that got paired together, got paired with two guys. We didn't know. They were like, oh yeah, we're in sales. This was a Wednesday. We're in sales. We're just out golfing today. They were making deals left and right. And I heard him say something like, oh yeah, here's a hundred thousand dollars deal. And I'm like. I'm not nice enough to be at this golf course. They were all like, and I'm like a football coach trying to wear like my bucket hat and stuff like that. And they're like, I'm like, I'm not nice enough to be here. I don't even know if I'm allowed on this golf course. And they're like, oh yeah, we pay people to train us. I'm like, okay, nope. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. And then they're trying to help me and the other guy out. And we're like, that's where we drew the line. We were like, oh, we're going to move ahead. Like, we'll see you guys later. <laughs> Well, Coach, I know you got to go golf. I appreciate it. Um, appreciate yeah. you coming back. Yeah, um, anytime. And if you want to, I got I got another uh, week yet. If you want to ever, if you want to pop on for another one, feel free. Uh, um, but yeah, love being on here. Appreciate it. Oh yeah, you'll be back. I'll annoy you enough to be back. I'll I'll, I'll make sure of it. I, I think. Thank you for the, for for having me on these. I like them. No, I appreciate you. Thank you so much.